Thank you. Thank you. I got the pressure off the first service, had to leave so you could get in, so that was pretty tight. The bad news is I know that you don't have to leave as quickly <laughs> as the first group did, to be honest. Uh, before we get started, I want to say I do have a product table out in the back, and I, I hope that you will stop by on your way out and look at things because uh, I have a, several of the books that I've written are out there. And I want to highlight just a few of them. And one of them I, I don't have is actually not a book, but a card. On the front of the card is the way we pray for the sick using uh, a relational five-step prayer model. And on the back of the card is the way we do deliverance. And that model was learned from uh, Pablo Botari, who was the trainer for the evangelist Carlos Anacondia, the famous uh, Argentine who had a tent that seat 1,000 just for the deliverance. And Botari would train the people who'd worked there sometimes 50 to 80 nights in a row, different people. And we received training from him and put that into on the back of the card on, on how they would do deliverance. And it's really nice to know you don't need buckets. <laughs> it's nice to know that people can be set free without throwing up. That, to me, was worth the price. Uh, so that, that's a card that's out there. The other thing is that we only have, I think, a total of nine packages, um, their curriculum, uh, three. One on power to heal, one on authority to heal, and the other one Bill Johnson and I did together, The Essential Guide to Healing. Each one of those has uh, a DVD in it that has a, around eight, sometimes more than that, uh, half-hour lessons that you can show in your home or in your small group or in Sunday school class, however you want to use it. There's a trade book there, the, and, and then there's a workbook and, and the leader's guide. And those are $99 each for those, the whole packet. And if you buy one of the books uh, that goes with it that's already in it, uh, so you have an extra for someone else, I think those are like uh, $16, $15, $16 for U.S. for the book, then we'll take $25 off the price of the, the whole thing. And there's only three of each. There's three of them times three, so we only have nine of those. Uh, so some of the things I want to mention, this is one of them, uh, The Essential Guide to Healing. Bill Johnson and I wrote this together. Uh, it's one of the best books that uh, we have that we have sold as far as the numbers of people that's bought it. It's been out longer and uh, I have a title in here, a chapter, Why Are There Unbelieving Believers and Believing Unbelievers? And, um, uh, and then this one, and I also teach on a five-step prayer model and how to get words of knowledge is in the last two chapters in here. Uh, and this is our training manual. It's in like 17 languages now. We have a lot of people tell us uh, it's the best training manual they've read. Uh, we have a guy who's got a church of 30-some thousand down in Brazil. He takes all of his leaders, has to go through this in the Portuguese version of it. And it deals with 42 pages just on deliverance. And it's not so much a crusade way, but a pastoral way with an intake form that we uh, got permission from Doris Wagner to use. And uh, special, how do you build a ministry team? What kind of people do you look for in a ministry team? Uh, just lots of practical things. Uh, the way we pray, the way we get words on it, all that's in here. 
for if you know some people that they struggle with believing healings for today, maybe they have some cessationist teachings. Uh, this book answers that. It was written to answer the book Strange Fire by um, John MacArthur. And it's the same table of contents in his book, except it's opposite side of the thing. So that's that one. That one I wrote the fastest I ever wrote any book was this one. It, it was therapy. Uh, just getting the frustration out. Uh, and I mentioned yesterday the book There Is More, which is probably the most I've sold of any book is There Is More. And uh, it both has a, a biblical basis for the doctrine of impartation. Uh, this is a follow-up to There's More. It's called Changed in a Moment. And it's just the stories uh, that aren't in that other book of more stories. And if you've read about Mike and Dina Van Hall, who had the orphanage in China, uh, it was on um, the Father Lights, I believe, uh, video. Uh, their story is the last one in here. It's called Pete and Jenna because that time they... Was not really going to pseudonyms, but this is their story, how God touched their lives, one of the most amazing stories. And it's just a lot of stories of people who had a lot of different things that happened to them, if you love those kinds of things. One last thing, there's a book out there on, I forgot, uh, it shows a guy's prison cell with a bed in it. It's a Tosun torture prison in Phnom Penh. Next to Heidi Baker, it's the most amazing story I've ever had. I had a, I, when I heard it, I've had him come brought him to the United States, had him speak. Once I took a group of people with me, and one of the guys was pretty wealthy. He said, I want that story. It's got to be a book. So I, I hired a person, and my only thing, my name's on it because I'm basically like the producer of it, I guess. We raised the money, and I got someone to, to take and listen to hours and hours and hours of the tapes of his videos that our people heard in person and, and, and translated it into a book. If you love love, if you love war in the sense of the, the heroism of war stories, if you love to read about people who were tortured for Christ, and uh, uh, it's, it's got everything. If you love stories of angels getting you out of prison today, uh, if you love it when God shuts off all the water in a monsoon so your wife can have a baby, and so right where you're at, about nine feet of it, it's not, it's not raining, she has the baby. If you're, running, if you're running out of water, an angel comes and supplies you. If you love those kinds of things, and also the mystery of after getting out, after miraculous deliverance and starting churches in every context where he was at, the tragedy of disappointment when one of the persons in your family you love, that we've seen so many miracles, has issues and problems and actually <laughs> dies. If you love that and how they overcome it, it's just one of those great stories. And uh, I, I hope you'll get a chance um, to look at it because, I, again, I, I think it's the second, next to Heidi's story, it's the second best story uh, we've ever had. So all that's available out there. I'd like to give one of these away. Uh, who just loves the stories of people that got touched in meetings and just went out and changed history? Okay, the guy just raised your hand. Come get it, and you can have it. And um, this is Sunday morning, so I'm not asked for visiting pastors to stand. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow. Um, and one, because I like to sow into them. All right, now, what I want to do is um, share this morning and... 
we're going to see some people get healed. We had 26 healed a while ago, and that was really under the gun because uh, I ran out of time, which I forgot to start my watch. My, my, so I got some free time there. <laughs> Have an hour here. All right. Well, this morning, I want to speak to you about healing and uh, healing of the body um, and, and also uh, healing of your relationship with God. I want to end with uh, an invitation. The reason why I want to end with an invitation is um, if you're going to see healings today, and I expect that we'll have at least 30, let's see, what do we have in here, 400 today? 450 right now? 400. About 400. So before I dismiss, we should have at least 40 people get healed. We had 26 in the earlier service, and we didn't have much time. So, um, and, and hopefully, faith will be rising. Um, but one of the things that I always tell people, if you're here today and you're an agnostic and, or you're bitter and say, I, I got drug here, but no matter what happens, I'm not going to give my life to Jesus. <laughs> I don't care what happens. Um, if that really is where your heart's at, I just want to warn you, you probably should get up and leave. <laughs> I, I, I'm seriously, Why? Because if you see healings and still remain in a hardness of heart and do not give your life to God, the more you see of healings and miracles, the worse it is on the day of judgment if you haven't given your life to God. Sometimes in our culture in the West, we, we glorify skepticism. But Jesus glorified childlike faith. Uh, as a matter of fact, what's hard for our culture to understand, unbelief, especially in the face of the miraculous, is worse sin in the eyes of God than sexual sin. Fornicating, adultery, those things are bad. But as far as God's concerned, to hear the gospel and see miracles and then not give your life to God, it's worse. You say, well, where's that? He said to Capernaum that it would be better on the day of judgment for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. It would be better for the people on um, the day of judgment for the people of those cities than the people of Capernaum. <laughs> what was the great sin of Capernaum? Because I did my, most of my miracles in Capernaum. And in spite of seeing the miracles, you have persisted in hardness of heart. It'll be better for the people of Sodom on the day of judgment than it will be for you. So I always warn people, there will be supernatural things happen today. There will be signs and wonders. And so if you're sure, no matter what happens, you're not going to give your life to God, it wouldn't be smart to stay. Because it would be worse on the day of judgment. On the other hand, he said, I'd like to see something supernatural. I'd really like to believe. I'm open. I'd just like to see something and stay. Because when uh, Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, you know, you're always looking for a sign. Uh, uh, he didn't say it in a rough voice, I don't think, a, a judgment. He said it with an empathetic understanding of John uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 48, I believe it is, uh, 
where it's, um, meaning, unless you people see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. And so what's he do? He turns around and does them. Why? Because he wanted them to believe. John even said these things were written so that you may believe. And so they have a purpose to cause us to know that the, what we're sharing about the gospel is true because it's backed up. He confirms the message. He's not confirming the, confirming the messenger. That's why, you know, if you have a Marjo, if you have, um, you know, the, the novels, Elmer Gantry, if you have the movie uh, uh, Leap of Faith with uh, all the comedian in it, uh, Dean Martin, those types, Steve Martin, yeah. If you have those things, uh, it, it doesn't disprove. See, see, those guys are fake. No, it doesn't disprove it at all. All it does is that God said, I will back up the message. Even if the messenger bring the message is a liar, a cheat, and a fraud, the message is still true. And he backs up the message. So uh, may he back up his message today, and may he soften our hearts, and may, he, may we see... So what, for me, what I've seen is when people see the compassion of God, uh, the mercy of God, when he comes and heals people's body, it just softens the heart uh, to come and, and give their life to God. Matter of fact, uh, down in Medellin, we did this meeting one time, and I, I worked for three days training their church, and we had uh, about 200 people trained on the ministry team. And they had, they had announced it for several weeks, and on the, the last day, uh, on Sunday, they were to come an hour early to church at night. And that hour uh, before the service started, uh, we're, we're going to pray for them. And uh, you had to be blind or legally blind, legally deaf or deaf. Uh, you couldn't walk without an aid or you had a terminal illness to get prayer in the hour before. And so we have 200 people there and we prayed for a whole hour and then an hour of worship and during the whole, during the back of the they prayed for two hours and I came up to my friend Andrew McMillan who's a Yale-trained uh, theologian and pastor there, missionary for 30 years. Uh, he started the church. I said, Andrew, listen, don't do anything. Don't take up the offering. Don't do anything right now. Let me take up an offering. Let, let me receive, uh, let me give an invitation right now. Now, there's been no sermon. All there's been is an hour of worship and two hours of prayer for the sick in the back. And that's like, let me give an invitation right now. I said, okay. We gave an invitation. He's never had so many people get saved in the history of the church in one service when it wasn't like out of the bull arena or something like that. This was at the church. Several hundred people gave their life to Jesus. A lot of them had been healed in the back, but some of the ones who had not even been healed, just because they saw the church loving, they were so touched, they came and gave uh, their life to God. Um, it's an amazing thing. Well, um, wow. can I tell you a story? Thank you. I was going to anyway. <laughs> With or without your permission. This has nothing to do with the sermon. Is this is an introduction to? I do that a lot, don't I? But I, I want to introduce to you, um, first of all, some of the young men I'm raising up. Uh, Paul Martini's not here, but we, he was with us over in Switzerland, and he'll be with me in Switzerland next month. He's in his 30s, and he's booked out well a year in advance, just really doing well. Justin's the new uh, 
newest uh, intern. I'm training to be, go on staff, paid by my ministry as an associate evangelist, extremely gifted prophetically and, uh, and, and, and healing, but just a great preacher, a lot of maturity. Um, and then the, the other person I'm training simultaneously with Justin, his name is William Wood. And uh, I almost didn't train William because I've got another young guy who just turned 20 that's, that's the most prophetic person I've ever met. He's kind of up there with the Paul Cain type. Just gets people's names, ages, addresses, what's wrong with them. It just blows me away. And he's just turned 20. Matter of fact, he got a word of knowledge for me, even had my birthday, and uh, ended up I got healed. So I'm training him. But this William was the guy that almost slipped through the crack. He had moved his family up to and did two years of our school. And, and uh, afterwards, I, I select one out of the whole school to be the person I'll train for the next uh, year or so, uh, sometimes two, but he, with, with, with Paul it was four years. Um, so William, here's his story, because I'm, I'm hoping you guys will invite him, right. as I hope you'll invite Justin back as well, because my time, I'm having to cut back every year, about 20 days a year, till I get down under 100 days a year to be gone. Uh, um, my wife just needs me more after 23 years of me traveling and 47 years of ministry. Uh, uh, but anyway, William, never heard the gospel, never been to church, even though he grew up in Alabama. It's a miracle. <laughs> but he'd never been to church, never heard the gospel. His mom and dad were both alcoholics, and by the time he was 15 years old, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict. His brother was killed in a bad drug deal. Shot and murdered, very bad. He was in the hospital. I don't know exactly how old he was when this happened to him, but he was a young man. And he was in the hospital, and he's dying. He's so close to death, his kidneys have shut down and are not working. Other organs in his body are shutting down. He's not supposed to live through the night. Never been to church, never heard the gospel. And a man in a white robe, bright radiance, comes into his hospital room. Comes over, looks at him, sits down on the floor. A vision happens. It's, I, I call it a vision because I don't think it was reality. But there was a river that started flowing out of his wall. Now he's dying of a crystal meth overdose. William had become an alcoholic and a drug addict at 17 years old. And this river is flowing in. The being gets up, goes and washes his hands in this water and begins to talk to him about the water of life and about a water that will flow out and it will cleanse you and heal you. And so he hears the gospel for the first time from a heavenly being. He's instantly healed. He walks out of the hospital the next day. The doctors cannot comprehend what had happened to him he goes and buys a Bible so we can learn about what just who that was. What, what is this all about? And uh, entered a ministry. It's just amazing testimony. And uh, every time I've seen him minister when he's been with me and I'm getting ready to do an invitation, because when he gets ready to tell a story, you just see the conviction come. You just see the spirit fall. And uh, uh, he's going to be one of the other young men that I'm raising up to release and be on staff, associate evangelist. 
And if I couldn't come back, if you do ever want to do anything in the future, between those guys, those three or four guys, you've got a man who's got a powerful message on peace. You've got a man that's got a, 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 a powerful prophetic gift. Two of them, actually, prophetic gifts. There's amazing prophetic gift in, in, uh, um, in, in Justin. And good teachers, good preachers, the cream. And I'm limiting my, my time. And uh, I've basically... Uh, I felt like the Lord said I got to focus even more than I have on Brazil, uh, going there's a 200 million people and Western Europe, but still Brazil the most. And uh, so I'm raising up these men to go to Australia and to go to all the Asia and the Philippines and go to you know except for I one last trip to Cambodia next year. And so I just want to let you be aware that these guys can really serve you. Uh, Justin, his favorite place is to go to the witches thing on Halloween in Salem, Massachusetts where he sees the most and the easiest place for people to get healed. All right. Now, having said that, I, I'm just saying, you know, this is not something that God just does with older guys like me. God uses young people too. I used to be one. I, I started preaching at 18. All right, our text this morning is uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, from that time forward, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this word repent in Greek is metanoia. It means change the way you think. Bill Johnson says a lot of people have entered the kingdom because they repented, but they don't see the kingdom because they haven't repented enough. They've changed the way they think about sin, but they, have, they still think in the naturalistic mind about what's possible and not possible. Their thinking is controlled by reason and science and medicine, and so they're thinking according to the ways of humankind rather than according to the kingdom where all things are possible, where there really isn't anything that's uh, impossible. We literally have seen God rebuild body parts. We've seen him. Uh, one of the things that blew me away, this man had kidney stones really, really bad. And he has inherited them. His brother's got them. His dad has them. And he has kidney stones all the time. A man passing a kidney stone like a woman having a baby. And he had a kidney stone that passed before he gets out of the meeting. We've had three or four, final five or six women had the same thing happen. And the stones are bigger than the ureter, too. They, it's impossible. I mean, we actually had one of them. This doctor was with it. We took it down, laid a dime, and put the kidney stone beside the dime. It's as long as the dime is diameter and four times bigger than the tube it had to go through. The man passed it with no blood and no pain. I mean, it literally got prayed for, goes to the bathroom, passes the stone without pain. He's never had another kidney stone since. Oh, just recently, we got a video of this. This woman passed us a stone that looked to me like it would be like eight times bigger. Uh, we, and this is something more to the, the Latin culture than maybe we, the European culture. But uh, we prayed for it. They go to the bathroom. They hear the stone drop into the commode, and they fish them out, <laughs> wash them off. And bring them, show them to you before they even leave the building. You know, it, it, look at that. And, and they're, they're, they're too big. And so we, this is, see, I'm, I'm telling you things here that my mind said, Till, 
One, I'm, I'm just going to do tilt stuff right now for a while. I have two vineyard pastors with me, and they're both burned out and said, if God doesn't come on this trip to Brazil and we, and we don't get renewed, we're going to have to go home and resign because we're not backslid or anything. We just don't have anything left. We're burned out. We need to be renewed. And so they're praying, and their wives are praying for this woman, and she has um, a uterine tumor, really large uterine tumor, about the size of a grapefruit. And, as, and she's got a dress on. And as they're praying, it goes plop. There it is. It is ugly, and it stunk really bad. And, it, and she's embarrassed. So she goes to you know, clean herself up and everything. And I, I like to interview people. So the next night, because I, I was trying, how'd that happen? How'd, anybody, any of you ever get curious about that? How'd that happen? That's about as big as a baby's head or maybe a little bigger. That, that must have really hurt. Did she just, you know, I'm so in front of about 8,000 people in Master. How did that happen? Did you just quickly, did, did all of a sudden, miraculously, you just dilate? You went from zero to 10? It's like having a baby. Just, and, and she said, no. And when she said no, it really busted my bubble because I thought I had this thing figured out, you know, thinking according to the natural way of thinking. Because I only got one other option. I don't even like that option. And, and, uh, and she said, no. I said, well, then how did it happen? She said, my abdominal wall opened up. It popped out, fell down that way, and then my abdominal wall closed. Now, my brain is going, tilt, can't believe that. That's impossible. I got a thousand reasons why that. Where's the blood? Didn't it hurt? Why didn't she scream? That's impossible. And then I'm thinking, if anybody ought to know, she ought to know. All I know is that there was a tumor that was on the floor that had been inside her. That would have been painful to pass like childbirth. And she had no pain. And it's on the floor. And we're looking at it. We covered it up with newspaper. You know, it, it was there. My, in the natural, that doesn't happen. In the natural, that's impossible. In the natural, if you've got metal in your body and all of a sudden your metal makes it impossible for you to bend, if you can't bend the knee because you've got metal going through, through it, if you can't bend your neck because you've got eight screws and four bars in your neck and all of a sudden, as you tried... And now you found out when you tried, God answered, and suddenly now you just got, you got total movement of your neck. My brain says, I don't understand how that happens. Yeah. My brain says, and some people say, I can't even feel the metal anymore. Well, it was right there. My brain has a problem when a 14 or 15-year-old boy whose breastbone was malforming, and the doctor put a, um, a plate right here, and you could see it underneath the skin because he's real skinny and he didn't have any pecs or anything, and you could actually see the, the metal and a whole bunch of people get healed of metal and he's got his hand like this on it and in the middle of it bam it disappears and he starts crying my brain says tilt it can't comprehend that how does that happen and I'm realized that I'm having trouble with my brain because my brain is having trouble believing change the way you think because the kingdom is at hand I, I have, I have I've, I've seen people one woman had a, uh, 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 her name was Terry, a tumor in her brain this big right here, and she gets healed. My brain tilts. She's supposed to have died. Later, I saw her, and I yelled at her three or four years later in, front, in public. I said, Terry, you're alive, and she's really embarrassed because she wasn't saved yet. And, uh, uh, but my brain's like, how did... How did that happen? Jesus said, repent. 
Change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Most of us hear that and we only think about repentance as for salvation. We don't understand he was talk, not talking about this is how you get into the kingdom, but this is how you see the kingdom. He wants us to, to, to change the way we think, to believe in the reality of this kingdom that miracles can take place. Now, I don't understand them. In India, I prayed for two brothers, twins. They both have the same thing. They cannot walk. The legs are malformed. The first one, I prayed, he gets healed. Now, I have more faith than I did for the, I have more faith now for the second one than I did for the first one. I, I prayed for the second one. He doesn't get healed. But my faith was actually stronger because the healing of the first one gave me more expectation. And I, I, I walk away from that. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Last year, I went to um, Norway, um, Stavanger, or Stavanger, I forget how you pronounce it, but anyway, uh, and I'm working with the Lutheran denomination, and I'm getting to speak at the largest Lutheran church in the nation, and um, the Lutheran seminary, which is very liberal. The, this, this particular seminary just didn't believe in miracles. Not that they didn't believe in miracles today. They didn't believe in the miracles of the Bible. They thought they were myths, just mythological statements. They, and this is the position. And so I've been invited in to teach on healing in this context. <laughs> now, when I meet with the seminary staff before I go in there, they said, we want you to know that for us, this subject on healing, it's just a theory for us. So I get up, you know, I'm, I'm the plenary speaker, I'm the first one, and they had a panel that was loaded <laughs> uh, that I had to deal with later. Um, but, but, but the wonderful thing is a young man was there who had, had an incurable disease that had been healed, and we had him to give his testimony, which, you know, your theology and philosophy just doesn't hold up much when you got right here in, in your face. This guy could not eat anything, was fed through a tube for years, and he got healed out at Reading. And now he's there and he's able to eat and all. But anyway, and so I, I remember I got up and I said, I know that for you, this subject of healing is a theory. It's not a theory for me. It is a reality, but it is still a mystery for me. Because I don't understand why did that one get healed and that one didn't. And why did the one who seemed to be so full of faith didn't get healed and this one over here who wasn't even saved yet got healed. There's such a mystery to healing I don't understand. But I do know that we are not to think according to the natural mind. But we're to think with a renewed mind that the kingdom, power, is at hand. Miracles are possible. I was sharing with someone just a while, just, just a while ago on the break. I went through uh, about 30 years of being in the ministry and had never seen one stroke victim get healed. And I prayed for quite a few people with strokes. And then I began to hear about the people being raised from the dead in Roland Heidi Baker's ministry. And, and I went and I interviewed and I met them and I interviewed them. I have hours of interviews, just people who've been raised from the dead or the people who raised them. And I would visit the village where they were raised and found out almost the whole village got saved. Muslim village came to Christ because God raised somebody from the dead. You say, well, I can't believe that. So I asked Johnny. I said, Johnny, I'm from, I'm from the West, 
Europeans and Americans have trouble. I believe you, but I know a lot of people are not going to believe me when I tell them. And they're going to say, well, you have, what proof do you have? Now, I know you don't have any doctors out here in the bush bush. And so you don't have any doctor to verify it. And so just for my people that's listening to this story, they're going to have trouble with their brains because their brains are not being renewed. They're thinking they haven't had metanoia in the brain. They haven't repented enough. So, Johnny, let me ask you a question. How do you know somebody's dead out here where there's no doctors? He said, well, um, they don't breathe anymore. <laughs> and, and you can't find a pulse. And their eyes glare over and just kind of stick. And then they get cold and then they get stiff. I said, okay, Johnny, I think even Europeans and Americans will believe that's dead. <laughs> So you don't have to have a doctor to know somebody's dead, particularly if you live in a culture where they have almost no doctors. And I asked him, John, do you think you're going to raise somebody else? He smiled, of course. <laughs> now, he didn't think he would, but God would. Yes. What happened was when I, even though I'd never seen anybody healed of stroke, I now knew that God was raising the dead, and some of them were dead for hours before they were raised, which means like a stroke where cells die from a lack of oxygen after about four minutes or so, these people have been dead for hours. Every cell in their body needs to be regenerated. Every cell in the brain, there has to be something called resurrection power. And I, and I realized that's not just for the millennium. It, it, it is happening now. So for the first time in my life, and it was like a breakthrough. You know, sometimes God gives us a, what I call a first, first fruit season. For example, everything that happened in Toronto in 1994 happened in my Baptist church in March 84. Drunkenness, having to be driven home, uh, unable to drive because you're so drunk, stuck to the floor, unable to move, shaking, knocked down violently, uh, uh, trembling, weeping, crying, laughing. All of that happened in my Baptist church in 84. But it would be 10 years later before we began to see it hit again and even much more. So I went through this season. One night we were in Petropolis, Brazil, up in the mountains. And it was one of those things where we had the people come an hour. Uh, often we'll do this. An hour before the service, if you're blind, deaf, terminal illness, uh, can't, you know, some, something crippling in some way. And this guy came. And his wife told me that morning. This is why I don't understand. I don't understand this at all. She said, my husband going to come to church for the first time in his life tonight. He's been a mean man. He's, been, he's a drunk, and he's a womanizer. He's been unfaithful to me, and he's an alcoholic. He's full of pride, but he's had a stroke, and this stroke has really humbled him. He's come to church for the first time tonight. In that same service, in, in Latin America, there's a big divide between Catholicism and Protestantism. A thousand times stronger than in America or Europe today. In there, Brazil, Latin America, there's still this huge divide between Protestants and Catholics. Um, and so during the service, not only is this man, where we're praying for him, we're praying for him with a team, a woman comes in with a veil on her head, she's Catholic, with her Catholic family, sits in the very back. They said, she's got the same thing, a claw hand, cannot open her fingers, you pull it out like that, just goes right back. Paralysis on the left side, both had the same thing. 
But she, her stroke affected the part of the brain that gives you the ability to speak. So she couldn't speak. And as we're praying uh, for an hour, and then again for the whole hour of worship, uh, we're, all of a sudden, it's time for me to get up. I'm going to have to speak next. And we're praying. For, we were rushed between both of them, had teams on both. Lots of other people were getting healed. I come up, I'm standing here, and they're singing the last song. And I look out, and there's been lots of people get healed of all types of things. But I look out over there, this man, this mean man, church, first time, unfaithful, alcoholic, weeping, no longer looking like this, but standing like this and clapping and crying because he had got a miracle and he was, gave his life to the Lord right on the spot. And back there is the Catholic lady, no longer like this, but also with worshiping and clapping and singing. And two, after 30 years of seeing no stroke victim get healed, that night we saw two. Wow. And the next day in Rio de Janeiro, a guy in a wheelchair had been there for about 40 years. We saw him get up and walk out of that wheelchair. It was like, it was like a 24 hours of first fruits. Now, I wish we could say that it continued. It's not continued every, you know, where every person we see it. It's not. But I believe, God said, I'm going to show you what's possible. And I believe there's a day coming we're going to see so many more miracles than we are right now. And I believe one of the things that's going to happen to bring that into existence is based upon 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 20, where Paul's writing, and he, he says, uh, and so in Christ Jesus, the promises of God are not yes and no, but they are yes. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And it's where in the West, particularly America more than even Europe, uh, we have this pioneering spirit and individualism has come from the pioneering spirit. And we don't think in community. We don't think in, 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 as a body of people. We, we, we apply the scriptures just like me and my relationship to God. But this passage is key, I think. And it's, it's where that we are focused on what God is doing in the service. And we're focused. Even if it's not for us, we stay engaged because we realize that Paul said that when, when there's a word, when there's a word of knowledge... Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word, which is rhema, not logos. The rhema of God produces faith. And, and, and so when a word comes, a prophecy or a word of knowledge about a physical condition, it creates faith. And tonight we're going to really talk about faith and words of knowledge and go into it in great detail. But this morning I just feel like we're changed the way you think. And you really, it's a grace thing. This kind is a warning. God, I want to believe more. God, I, want, I, I don't want to be locked into the, this naturalistic way of thinking. I want, to, I, want to, I want to be a man, a woman of faith. That, uh, and, and I know that most of these gifts of faith are almost always created by something God does in the service that we recognize that's the hand of God. And it cre gives us a gift with which to believe. Now, the gift of faith is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And this, it's just, it just doesn't say gift, it just calls faith. And in 2, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2, it talks about, uh, in verse 1, if I have tongues of men and angels and have not loved them like a clanging gong or clashing cymbal. And so, chapter 13, the more excellent way, is not saying love is more important than the gifts. That's a misreading of the text. The, 
the, what he's saying is the more excellent way is the operation of the gifts motivated by God's love. And so that's, that's what he's talking about because he's talking about these gifts. And so he talked about word of knowledge and word of wisdom and, and prophecy and tongues. And so he starts up, I have tongues and men and angels. This, and if I have all knowledge and all wisdom, talking about the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. And, and, and he talks about prophecy. And then he says, and if I have all faith so as to move a mountain. This is really interesting. Why is this interesting? Because he's talking about the gift of faith. Because he's looking at these gifts he talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. There's only two other, three other places, uh, Matthew 17, Matthew 21, 21, and um, Mark 11, uh, 22, is three places where Jesus talks about faith that you can speak to a mountain and the mountain be uprooted, thrown to the sea. This is, uh, and he says, so if you have faith, and do not doubt, but believe in your heart. And this, how is it that we come to a quality kind of faith that we have no doubt? And we just believe in our heart that what we're saying is about to happen. Some people emphasize if you can just confess it enough. I have found that that's very hard for some people to come to a point by the confession where they actually, that's where they're at. What I have found, it's much easier for this gift to come, that God creates that faith. And you know, and when it happens, you really don't have any doubt. You know in the moment, in that moment, that it's going to happen. It comes as a gift. And that gift is often caused by an understanding of the ways of God. Like Exodus chapter 33, Moses spoke to God and he says, If I found favor in your sight, teach me your ways or show me your ways that I may know you. Understanding the ways of God helps us to know God better. Understanding how he works, his ways, helps us to, to recognize him. This gift of revelation creates, usually, is what God uses to create the gift of faith by understanding His ways. Oh, I get it. If He is clearly... Um, for example, I got healed just recently, about a year ago. You can tell I'm older. Just recently, about a year ago. <laughs> a young person would never say that. Um, but it was. It wasn't really about a year ago. I realized it, it was... An, I guess Jan December. It's last December. Um, but I had uh, uh, four herniated discs. I've, had, I've been healed three times, of a total of nine herniated discs from three different accidents in my back. And so I got hurt in Nigeria when a big man fell when I prayed for him. He grabbed me and didn't let go of my head and went right to his chest. And I got four herniated discs. So this guy in my school, the guy's telling me about, uh, um, Brian, uh, who's so gifted prophetically, he said, uh, I'm taking up words of knowledge from the team. He says, somebody has herniated disc in your neck. I'm like, I got that. And then he says, and uh, your birthday is February the 18th, 1952. I said, I'm thinking, that's mine. So I want to rule everybody else out. So if it's anybody else, if it's nobody else, then it has to be me. So I said, does anybody have a birthday, February the 18th, 1952? Of this whole crowd, nobody. I turned around and said, it's me. 
to me. Pray for me right now. He prays. Bam. I got healed. At least 80%. Instantly 80%. I wasn't worried about the other 20% because I knew that he's going to complete it. I had just total faith. This is going to, it's going to be completed. And within just a few weeks, it was. I had, I had serious complications from it. I'd been in pain for over a year. I'd been in pain for over a year. So what happened? Where did that kind of faith come from? It came from that word of knowledge. I remember um, praying for, uh, getting ready to pray for a woman, a Methodist woman in a Presbyterian church. And doing a, I was doing a seminar. And during the week, I was washing dishes with my wife, and I felt this woman was 70 years old, and she needed carotid arteries need to be reamed out. And as I'm, I'm not even thinking about her. I'm just washing dishes. I'm a half a week away before the meeting. And suddenly, you could see my neck, just the carotid artery on my right side. It was throbbing. You could look at my neck and see it. And I, I'm thinking, I said, oh, look at my neck. What's going on? And then I remember that Methodist woman is going to have to have her arteries reamed out, carotid arteries, or she's going to have a stroke. So on the way there, I'm telling the people in my car, I got a load of people with me, a little team take with me, and they're all Baptists. We're still Baptist time. And I, and I said, uh, I know what God's going to do tonight. There's this woman. She's 70 years old. She needs her arteries carotid. And as I'm telling my other one starts. I am so convinced she's going to be healed. I tell everybody in the car, she's going to be healed tonight. What caused that kind of faith? There, I had no doubt she was going to be healed. The word of knowledge. And I knew it was for her. God's promises are not yes and no. And the more specific something is, the more faith it brings. That's why it's the more specific the word, the more powerful. And so I get there, and she's not there. Now I'm really bummed. I'm confused because she's not even here. What's going on? And I can't even get in. I'm so bummed I can't even get into worship. I'm just, I'm just pacing back. God, why did you do that? Why did you, I told everybody you're going to heal this woman, and she's not even here. Now you've confused me. I don't know what's going on. I, God, I just don't understand it. And then, you know, about five minutes before worship ends, here she comes through the door late. I ran to her, and I said, God's going to heal you tonight. And I grabbed her by hand. I pulled her up in front of everybody, and I went like that to the worship team. They, they stopped, and I said, listen. God's going to heal this woman right now. I want you to watch. Keep your eyes open. I want you to watch God heal, heal her. He's going to heal her right now. And I set her there. I'm here, and I said, I command those arteries to be reamed out in Jesus' name. Her. She goes back like that, and you could watch her neck just like that, and she got healed. That is a gift of faith. But that gift of faith was related to my understanding. Now, when there's little understanding, not as much happens. That's why it's very important to teach the congregation. I believe as important it is to have an apostolic or an evangelist person come in and do healing meetings. It's also important for the pastor teachers of the church to really lay a good foundation on the ways of God and the connection between gifts of revelation, how they can create a greater measure of faith or the, even the gift of faith, and how that, that is what releases then the gifts of healings and working of miracles and I've never seen a miracle happen where there wasn't a gift of faith. And God's the one who provided that gift of faith. He provides gifts of faith through his ways. And some of God's ways is he uses revelatory gifts, other gifts. The 1 Corinthians chapter 12, eight pairs, uh, four pairs of gifts and one that kind of governs them all, uh, um, word of wisdom. But you have 
For example, tongues, interpretation. You see how they go together. They complement each other. Tongues, interpretation. They believe that the gift of discerning of spirits was given to help discern prophecy was that of the Holy Spirit, human spirit, or demonic spirit. And most commentators say the gift of discerning of spirits, one of its purposes is to work with the gift of prophecy. Words of knowledge goes with gifts of healings. The gift of faith goes with the working of miracles. So we see how they work uh, together. Um, it's another way that God uses is the power of the testimony. God will use the power of the testimony. Just re- since I don't, uh, okay, uh, just real quick. On the plane, not the airplane, but on the flat place, <laughs> Jesus came down, and they all tried to come to him, and they all tried to touch him. Verse nineteen, they they were being healed of their uh, cast out evil spirits and being healed of every disease. And they all tried to touch him, verse 19, because power was coming out of him and healing them all. That's chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. In chapter 8, beginning in verse 42, it talks about this woman who has the issue of blood. And Luke um, does not tell us because he's a physician that she'd spent all of her money on doctors. She's no better off. But Mark tells us, or Matthew, <laughs> Mark does, tells us that. She'd spent all of her money on doctors. And she's no better off. But Luke, in the honoring that doctor's code, you know, you don't talk bad about each other. Um, and, and, it, and it says that she uh, went through the crowd and she touches him. And in telling the story, Luke says, she, in, the revi- in the NIV, New International Version, he, she touched the edge of his cloak, King James, hem of his garment. Touched the edge of his cloak. When she did, Jesus felt power go out of him. Turned and said, who touched me? And Peter said, oh, what do you mean who touched you? A lot of people touched me. He said, I know sometimes somebody touched me because I felt power go out of me. And it says in Luke's gospel, perceiving that she could not hide herself. Why? Why could she in this big crowd of people not hide herself? Because I believe when he felt the power go out of her, she felt the power come in her. And she's probably the one person standing there that looks a little bit like this. <laughs> it says in Mark that she came in, uh, and trembling with fear. And maybe she's fearful because of the power she's feeling in her and the fact that she got caught stealing the anointing. <laughs> and it says, Luke says, and in front of everybody, she told why and how. She had done what she had done. But Luke doesn't tell us. But Matthew does. The same story is found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 and 21. And Matthew tells us that she said to herself, if I can only touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Where did that faith come from? I believe she heard the story. The power of of a testimony of what had happened on the plane that everybody who touched him were healed because everybody who touched him, power came out of him and healed him. I believe that story is what gave her the idea, if I just touch him, I'll be clean. The story, the testimony. You want to create a culture in Bedford? You got to be proud of the testimonies. You got to be bold of the testimony. You got to proclaim the testimonies. And every testimony you hear is yours because you're part of the one body of Christ. It doesn't have to be something happened to you. It's something happened to somebody else. It's your story. You can tell it. I was healed at 18 years old. I still tell the story of my healing. So anyway, and 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 so you see, every, power's coming out and healing everybody. She says, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. And so Luke 
and Matthew and Mark. The story's told. And in the telling of the story, they leave in the detail. She touched just the edge of his cloak. Both of them, Matthew and Luke, says she touched the edge of his cloak. Then if you go over to Matthew chapter 14, around verse 36 through 38, somewhere in there, it, Jesus has just come across he's, uh, the, the sea, and they've had to storm had to still the storm because the, I believe the enemies tried to stop her, stop him from getting there because he's got some real issues that's going to happen and gets on the other side because there's a lot of sick people and Jesus is on the way to direct, the, he, he's on the way to plunder the enemy's kingdom. Right. He, he binds the strong man so we can plunder his house. That's our job. We're to be plunderers of those that's in captivity. We, we are plunders, and so he comes across, gets on the other side, and they recognize it's Jesus, and they send out the people throughout the region telling that Jesus has come. And then it says that when they gathered all of the sick there, they begged Jesus. They begged Jesus, the people, on behalf of the sick. They begged Jesus to just let the sick touch the edge of his cloak. Why? Why is, there, why is there such a specific request? Just let them touch the edge of your cloak. Why did they have so much faith to go get all the sick and bring them? Because I believe they were hearing the stories. And that story in, in front of that big crowd, because he shared it in front of that great crowd, they went back to their respective places, told the story about she just thought she could just touch the... She touched the edge of his cloak. Why? That's why. They didn't say... Touch them, Jesus. They didn't say, put your shadow over them. They didn't say, uh, spit on them. They didn't say, just declare the word. They didn't say, let them touch your feet. They didn't say, let them touch your hair. They didn't say, let them touch your hand. They are very specific. They said, just let them touch the edge of your cloak. That's my biblical exposition and exegesis from the word of God of the power of the testimony to create faith for repetition. And they were all healed. So when we tell the stories, that's why you need to tell your story. Yes. Now today, when we pray, when you get healed, 80% or more, this is your first level of testimony. As soon as it happens, you can get healed before we pray. You do this. You do this. Okay? This is your testimony. I'm at least 80% better. I'll talk tonight on why I say 80%. don't have time to do that right now. The power of the testimony. I want to show you a video. This video, every time I've shown it, people get healed. Unless I show it and don't tell them they can get healed. Because when I don't tell people they can be healed watching the video, you know what? They watch it without faith. They watch the exact same video, and there's times nobody gets healed because I forgot to tell them. But 1 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, As is written, we believe, therefore we have spoken. And in that same spirit of faith, we too believe, and therefore we speak. I actually do believe what I told you. That, I'm not trying to hype the meeting. I would be shocked if nobody got healed watching the video. You see, there, I went through... I went through... 24 years of ministry and was shocked if anybody got healed in the service. 
Now I've been through 23 years of ministry, and I'm shocked if somebody doesn't get healed. I'm actually shocked if at least 10% don't get healed. And so we, I'm, I'm expecting 40 people uh, to get healed uh, this morning if you give me a little time. And if your butt gets tired before my mouth gets tired of talking, you can feel free to leave because no one's captured you. And, and when you need to go get the kids, there's a certain time you're going to have to get the kids. I, I've been a pastor for 30 years. You can't wear out the children's workers, but you can bring them back in. It'd be nice for them to see God do something. That might inspire them more even than the Sunday school lesson might or the children's church might. So as you watch the video... It will create faith for some of you, especially if you have something similar to what you see. For some people, you may not have anything similar, but you, just seeing it creates faith. You're going to see cancer disappear, blind eyes open, cartilage created, polio fixed. You're going to see a lot of things happen in one Baptist church. Can you say this? If God can do it to the Baptist, he can do it to us. Huh? Do you believe that? Now, tonight I'll show another video. In tonight's video, the last person on the video, I told the same thing I just told you. I said, as you watch this video, some of you are going to get healed. And it was a different video. And as she's watching, she feels this heat come into her legs. And you'll see, matter of fact, it showed last week, you'll see her uh, getting healed. So while the video's going on, I want an act of faith. What is it? If you have a kidney problem, put your own hands on your kidneys. If you have lung problems, put your hands on your lungs. If you have a heart trouble, put your hand over your heart. If you have ear troubles, as you watch the video, put your hands on Whatever organ needs to be healed, even during a video, just as an act of faith, just lay your hand there. God will see acts of faith. At the end of the video, if you have something that's muscular or skeletal, there's something you can't do. For example, if you have a a uh, fractured tailbone, something wrong with the tailbone, I want you to stand up and sit down hard three or four, five times. Um, if, you, if you have a, a locked shoulder, I want you to try to lift your shoulder. Point is, if you have knee problems, get out into the aisle and try to do your knees. If you can't lay down without uh, suffocating for cause of a physical condition, get out and lay on the floor. If you can't do push-ups, these are actual things people have done on knees, and that's when they got healed. Not before, they got it when they tried. Everyone has been healed of metal. 100% were healed when they tried to do what they couldn't. 100%. 5,000 of them. Wow. Try to do what you can. If you got asthma, you can't know if you're healed or not unless you run. Go outside and run around the church. See if you were healed. Do something as an act of faith. All right? Watch the video. As soon as it's over, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up and... Uh, uh, Take uh, a minute, test things out. You don't have to be 100%, and that's why I say this, but if you're at least 80% better, because we're testing on what God is doing, not just totally done, because we'll see a lot more, and that's significant healing. If you're, and, and don't do this because you're believing for it, only if it's manifested, 80% or more. This is your testimony. Not down here. This is like, hey, I'm a little bit excited about what God just did. You need to know humility, it takes a humble person to in front of people testify to what God's done. It's about him, not you. And one of the false lies 
is that if you really have humility, you won't draw attention to yourself. In the testimony, you're not drawing attention to you. You're drawing attention to what he did to you, and it's to his glory. Every testimony brings glory to him. So let's watch the video, and then as soon as it's over, you stand, and then many of you will be healed before I pray, and then some will be healed after the prayer, and then some will have to pray for twice. Okay. We call this the rainbow sun because right now you're going to see it. The day this happened, when we got to the church, that was in the sky. It was on the front page the next day, you know, rainbow, sign of covenant. We talked, boy, this is going to be good. We took it as a sign. Ever see, waving the hands, they've just been healed. They were just healed. And you're going to see a woman get healed, which is only two or three of these. We caught it the moment it was happening. And she's healed of polio, and we'll have her testimony later. You'll also, you'll also see a guy in a white T-shirt, and that's the next one. She's healed of polio right now. Just then, she just got healed of polio. Look at her face. You'll see him later. The guy in the white T-shirt, he got healed of word of knowledge, mechanic and radiator, and he was mechanic and radiator blew up on him. But you won't get to see it on this because on Here we go. She had a cyst inside her It's bone. actually a tumor, a not family. a cyst. A cancerous tumor. Family. She had a cyst on the family, inside the family. And the doctor said she had to amputate her leg. She said, I'm not amputating my leg. Jesus is going to heal me. Feel anything, but suddenly this, this heat 
came on top of her, and then she felt like the pain was gone, and she raised her hand and she could move and wave with both hands as if she was healed. She said the pain was very severe, she couldn't move fast and now she can move the arms, the pain is totally gone. Praise Jesus. Keep your eyes on this guy. Over 20 years, he had an accident, lost the cartilage on his knees, could not bend, could not kneel, could not walk properly without pain. Now, Brad, the pain, the pain disappeared, and now he's moving, he's bending, he said, I, I just can't do this, I don't believe this. No pain, no pain. No pain. Three or four years ago, he had constant pain in his back, could not bend the back. Somebody had a word of knowledge for him, and he stood up, and the pain disappeared, now he can bend. Não está doendo? Não. Aleluia! Glória a Deus! Glória a Deus! What's your Her name is Natalia, 11 years old. Blind from birth of the right eye. Could not see a thing. Show her some fingers. Quantos dedos você não me mexeu no peraí? Quantos dedos? Tá boa. Quantos dedos você me... That's her father. She said during bread, she felt a lot of heat. A lot of heat all over her body. She said a lot of heat all over her body. And then suddenly she started to see with her eyes. She covered it, she checked, and she saw everything. And she's crying, she's feeling the presence of God over her. Praise the Lord. Lord of Deus. Que Deus abençoe. Aleluia, Jesus. Deus te abençoe, querido. Aqui, Jesus. Jesus te ama e te cura. Oh my God. Oh my God. You should see the eyes of the cameraman. He's crying. Can a blind eye, 11 years old girl, blind, totally blind in the right eye, totally healed, totally healed. She can see again. Jesus is fixing the eyes of the blind. This is Michelle. In March this year, she found out she had a cancer on her left breast. It was a big tumor, a big lump. She could feel it, touch and feel it. During breast, somebody had a word of knowledge for cancer in the left breast. And just, just she wasn't feeling anything, just to check if it was her, she went and touched it and it wasn't there anymore. It totally disappeared. And with it went the pain. She said, the moment I went to go reach for it, the pain and the, the growth disappeared. This is what God is doing here in Brazil. You have to come and witness for yourself. You have to come give Jesus the chance to use your hands to heal and make cancer disappear. This lady had cancer in her breast. And you can see the emotion in her eyes and how God has touched her. She is totally cancer free. Jesus is alive and well and doing miracles all over the world. There you are right through the During the word of... <laughs> During the time of word of knowledge, somebody said, there's somebody with a cast. There's somebody with a cast. That, that was the word of knowledge. So here's the somebody with a cast, and here's the cast. What's your name? Ivana. 
She said she had a strong case of tendonitis. She went to the doctor, she could not stand the pain she was going through. The doctor put this cast on her hand and said, don't even think of moving your fingers or your arm, just rest, stay home and rest. She said, no way, I'm going to church, I'm going to get my healing. She came tonight, somebody said, I see a cast. She said, when the lady said that, I said, that's my cast and I'm healed. And then the pain totally disappeared and she said she couldn't, be, she couldn't touch her skin before, it was so much pain that she couldn't touch the skin. Now she can touch, she can move, the pain is gone. Você sentiu a presença de Deus? Sim. Você está sentindo agora? Muito alegria no meu coração. She said she's so happy, she's just joyful, the pain is gone. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Glória a Jesus. Jennifer. All right, guys, this is Jennifer, and she was born with blindness on the right eye. She could not see out of this eye at all. She could not see at all. Now, cover, cover this eye and read for me what's the sign saying there. Lila. Melhor é o fim das coisas do que o princípio. She's reading the sign that she, she was totally blind in the eye, and she's reading. She was blind, now she's reading. First she was blind, now she's reading. Hallelujah. Look at this. <laughs> oh, man, this is so awesome. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Guys, just very practical, quick and practical announcement. Parents, we just want to honor the King's Kids workers. So parents, if you want to dash out, grab your children, but bring them back in because we're going to pray and keep seeing what God wants to do. Randy. Man, thank you. Everybody stand. Check things out. Take one minute. Don't just do it once, twice. The ones we've seen major breakthrough, I, I, like several times, one Baptist deacon... He stepped outside the door, and for half an hour, because he could not move, because 16 screws and um, metal in his back, he couldn't move his arms past here. Impossible. And he, you'd see him try. And then after about three minutes, many people were healed. He wasn't. He stepped outside so he wouldn't be detracting, distracting. And for another half an hour, he kept trying. And then suddenly, full range of motion. So we've seen, you know, this things. Check out your body. Try to do what you can't. You have permission to be healed before prayer. Once you know it, it works that way. You can. Just, just, you know, the faith itself. Any of you, no, I don't say it wrong. Those of you who are at least 80% better, what, lift as high as you can and make your hands go like this over your, over your, over your, your wrist cross. Go ahead and do it. Those of you that's it, there's one, two, three, four. He's holding a child. Any more over here? All right, how many of you are, are not 80%, but you're aware of the presence of God, maybe the heat that she talked about, a couple of them did, or you're getting better, but you're not yet 80%. Would you raise one hand, only one? Raise it high. I'm going to pray for those of you who've got your hand up, and uh, also just keep your hand uh, on where you need to be healed, and keep uh, trying to move what you can as we continue to pray. God, I thank you for the five who were just healed. Uh, Lord, we look forward to hearing some of what had happened. And now, Lord, we pray for those who have their hand lifted in the name of Jesus. I bless them. You know what's wrong with them. I bless them in Jesus' name. God, I pray for someone who's having an eye problem in the right eye and pressure toward the inside, I mean the outside, in the bottom, uh, in, the, uh, in that area. I just command that pain to leave in Jesus' name. God, I pray for someone who's having a problem in the left side of the or and the right side in the toward the back of the rib cage in Jesus' name. 
Father, we've seen you create uh, eardrums where there are no eardrums. One woman had no bones or eardrum and disease had eaten them away and you create them. So we pray for hearing. God, we pray for hearing to come into the ears in the name of Jesus. God, we, we've seen you heal a boy in Odessa who had no auditory nerve. We saw you heal a man in Fortaleza, Brazil, who was blind from birth because the optic nerve was not connected to the eye and he got his sight. Father, we declare healing. We declare healing. We, we, we say, God, we believe in miracles. In Jesus' name, we bless them. Father, we declare, based upon Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, where it says that he bore in his body our sickness, and Matthew 8, 17 says, calls it he bore in his body our sicknesses and our diseases. So, Lord, you've already paid the price. In Jesus' name, we command migraines to leave. In Jesus' name. Uh, God, we pray for uh, women who are having trouble with the menstrual cycle and pain, an abnormal pain from it, or things are not working right uh, for the age that they are. And God, we just speak healing. And God, we pray for, uh, I believe, one is going to conceive in Jesus' name that's not been able to conceive. God, in Jesus' name, we pray for every problem they got their hand raised for. Let your power come into their bodies. Let your power. Lord, I pray for somebody that has a problem in the left side of the abdomen, uh, uh, just a little higher than the navel, and about three inches over on the left side. Something wrong there and pain. In Jesus' name, God, we bless it. Speak healing in that area. Command all uh, pain in the head, problems in the head, to leave in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray, not by word of knowledge, but just by the power of the testimony of my own experience. I pray, Father, for people who have herniated disc. God, I thank you that I was supposed to have surgery, and I didn't have to because you actually healed it by giving a guy a thousand miles away a picture and, and told him of me and told him to push the squishy stuff that had squirted out of the disc back in, and I woke up the next morning healed. God, in Jesus' name, I bless Every person that has problems in their spine, especially with herniated discs, pinched nerves, I command the nerve that's uh, irritated and inflamed. It, it should take normally three to three and a half years to be healed because of that, to be healed overnight. Father, even now, instantly, that there would be a, a pressure coming off that pain in the foot from a nerve coming down the left side, even into the, in the uh, knee area. I just speak healing in Jesus' name. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, not only for that, but we pray for women who have problems due to childbirth, physical problems related to the gestation period or the birth itself. I speak healing in Jesus' name that that would be healed. Even fallen bladders would be lifted. We've seen you do this miraculously and suspend it in, in the right place in Jesus' name. All right, now, whatever, Lord, they're standing for, I disagree with them. Release more. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, check yourselves out again. If you want, uh, everyone, including those five that waved earlier, everyone that's at least 80% now, wave both hands over your head. And continue for one minute. Keep them high for one minute. Wave high. One, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. How many of you are, you can't prove you've been healed because you got to go to a doctor and get a test? But you believe you were because you really you felt the presence of God touch you. Would you just we're making a distinction between these, but would you just lift your hand and wave it like that? It said, I actually felt God touching me, and I believe I've been healed, but i got to get a test. And we have several people, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, um, 11, that that's what they believe. They'll have to get a test. But it's always good to let people who feel like they, just, they got healed because of God's touch to be able to testify, I believe I was, and when you get the test, come back and let the... Let the pastor know. Um, just uh, real quick, I'd like three people, even two, because of time. You had something for quite a while. There's something, you don't have to have a test to prove it, but there's something you couldn't do, and now you can. Or your pain level that was very high, let's say um, 10 is excruciating, give me drugs. I can't stand it, give me morphine or something. Zero was I have no pain at all. That you'd say, man, my pain was at least eight or nine. Anybody like that or something you couldn't do and now you can, you can prove it. Anybody like that, would you just lift your hand up? And, and you're, you're at least 80% better now? You haven't got the healing yet. So you've got it. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll pray for that. Were you, is your pain, are you at least 80% better? You could feel it, and now you can't. Okay, come up here real quick. Anybody else? There's something, uh, this man in the back, there's something you can tell us about that, that you, you know that you've got healing, 80% or more? Come. Is, is, it, is it better, 80%? Come on up here. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. And as they come, go ahead, come up. Come on up here. Come up here, up on the platform so you can be seen. All right, now, uh, the last thing I want to do after, after we have these, she's going to share. You got it? What, what's your name? Blessings. And what happened to you today? I've had fibroids for years. I've done several operations. They just keep coming back. Normally, I could feel them every time just below and everything. So when I was watching the video and I put my hand there, I can't feel them anymore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come up here. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, celebrate. You're celebrating Jesus. Thank you, God. And what's your name? Michael. Michael? Michael. And what, what's wrong? I had fibrosis for three years in the back of my legs. And I what happened? I couldn't lift my leg up higher than me, the other one. You couldn't lift? This leg up. You couldn't lift it off no. the floor? You couldn't lift it higher than the other one. Couldn't lift no. it higher than the other one. one? Well, show us what you can do now. Right oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How high could you lift it before? 
Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We give God the glory. Now, did you feel anything before you felt it leave? Did you feel any heat or energy? Yes, I kind of felt like I was, there was pulling on my back. Pulling from the back? Yeah. Yeah. And there's also another thing because I've had perforated eardrum in my ear for years. Again, I've had so many oppressions. Not that I'm deaf in the ear, I can still hear, but again, I just did my hand like that and I kind of felt like pop and everything seems a lot louder than. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Just now, up here, popped open. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. How long have you had that problem? Three years. Three years. Okay. And now you can. Thank you, Jesus. Did you feel anything before it happened? Or did it happen when you tried to move it? I claim when I tried to move it. It happened when you tried yeah. to move it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, both. All right. Here's what we want to do. We want to end this way. Tonight, we're going to have a healing meeting. Come back. God can do more. We can explain more, have more time. But this morning, if you're here... And you saw fibroids disappear, ear open to hear, restoration of being able to move the leg, and about 20 other things. But you're not right with God, maybe. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe never been born of his spirit. You have no biblical assurance that you're a child of God because there's been no presence of the Lord come into your life and take your guilt away and give, him, give you his peace and presence. And in the midst of this service, the invitation is very simple. If you would like to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord and Savior, and ask him to forgive you of your sin, I'm going to ask you to move from where you're at and come down to the front and I'm not going to ask anybody to bow their head. I'm not going to ask anybody to close their eyes because they marched Jesus through the streets and hung him on a cross naked. It says he despised the shame. He was hung there naked from his friends and family. But he took on that shame and that pain for us that we could be reconciled to God. No one can come to God unless he's drawing them. You only come to the Father through the Son, but you can't even come to the Son unless the Holy Spirit's drawing you. So I pray a very quick prayer. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd open the eyes of the blind. Paul said if we don't respond to the gospel because the God of this world has blinded us. So I pray for the blind eyes, spiritual blind eyes to be opened. I pray for any false assurance to be taken away. I pray for uh, God for there to be... Um, a moving of the Spirit, a gift of faith with which to believe. If I will ask God to forgive me, I know He will. I pray you give them that gift of faith. And I pray now, Lord, they would uh, seize the opportunity in Jesus' name. I'm going to count from 10 to 0, get to 0, the invitation's over. In the Bible, people often came to the Lord as family groups, not just individuals. Actually, more times as family groups. You're here maybe if your boyfriend, girlfriend, your husband, your wife, family, friend, and you both maybe need to come to the Lord, and you want to, but you don't know what the other one wants to do. Why don't you grab their hand 
and just hold their hand for like 30 seconds right now. And if you want to make this decision to come to the Lord and, and, and pray and, and give him your life and ask him to forgive you, squeeze the other person's hands. And, they, and he might be surprised. They squeeze back and say, me too. Come together before we get to zero. Ten. You're not joining this local church. You're coming to Jesus. Then you can find a, wherever you want a local church. This would be a great one. But you need Jesus. Church membership won't save you. Nine. Come to the Lord. Having seen healings, come to the Lord. Eight. Seven. Just step out. Three big lies of the enemy. You're so good, you don't need a Savior. You coming? Come up here. You're so good. This is a big lie. You're so good. Live by the Ten Commandments, the Golden Rule. You're as good as anybody at the church, and that may be true, but nobody in church is going to heaven because they're good. We're going to heaven because we're forgiven and been born again. Second big lie is the opposite. You're so bad. What you've done, he'll never forgive you. It's a lie. You're so, you're, you're so good, you don't need it. You're so bad, you can't get it. But the biggest lie of all, this is not the time. Put it off. When is the right time? When he's knocking. You have tears in your eyes, not in your throat. You feel like, man, he's just speaking to me. That's Holy Spirit. His job is to convince us of our sin, his righteousness, and a judgment to come. We're at seven. I believe there's, there's more. I think there's at least seven more need to come up here. I said seven, thought seven. We have three, uh, I think, or two. Uh, I'm just going to say I think there's more that need to come by word of knowledge. Six. Five, come to Jesus. Step out of your seat. Take that first step. You find you can break, break the power of the enemy. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this man. Thank you, Lord. Four, God, we ask for the others. There's more that need to come. You know, we're not going to sing. So if you're waiting for us to sing softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting, watching, watching for you and for me. Come home. We're not going to do it. We're not going to sing all five verses just as I am with that one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, or Lamb of God, I come. We're not going to do it. We're just going to count to zero. He will forgive you, I promise you. Four. Three. Come to Jesus. Two. One. Zero. I'm going to ask Pastor Simon to pray with you.